it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's what we're here to do, talk about beer. Today I've got with me, by the way, me as a Clermonette, you may have heard me uh, on the weekly podcast before, and I've done tried my hand at a few beers of conversations as well. Um, and this week I'm really excited. I followed the sort of progress of Slow Lane Brewing, who some of you may have seen that they won uh, Champion Packaged Beer and Best New South Wales Beer at the 2021 uh, Sydney Royal Beer and Cider Show earlier this month. Uh, and I've got with me Alex and Yvonne Jarman, uh, founders of Slow Lane Brewing, power couple effectively um so you won your uh you won your awards for your uh threefold belgian triple uh after entering it for the first time obviously you were only founded in january or opened in january so huge achievement how how do you feel pretty excited you know great great <laughs> yeah. to get the recognition for yeah know, our beers and especially as it was a um like belgian beer it's just something we specialize in and i guess my personal favorite and what definitely what I've brewed the most of so it's you know feel like extra great to get the recognition for that style that we want to be known for what made you want to enter the awards obviously you have you're in your first year of business effectively or open to the public business that's a huge undertaking to sort of go for these awards what why did you want to do that like I always planned on entering our beers and awards I guess probably because I'm naturally competitive but also (laughs) we're not as a brewery we're not you know, we're not really about kind of like, you know, shouting from the rooftops and more like a quiet achiever. And I guess one of the ways we wanted to sort of demonstrate that, you know, and, you know, establish our credibility was, you know, ideally through, you know, entering and sort of getting some um, results from these type of beer awards. So I think like, you know, since we've started, like anything, you know, we've entered the Indies, the ARVAs, the Sydney Royal, um, so anything that's relevant, you know, we've mm-hmm. put a few beers in there um, to, you know, try and yep. get that recognition. And It's also a nice way to get feedback. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, like a, like a benchmarking thing. That's why I've heard people like to get the feedback and stuff like that from the judges themselves and see how they can improve. Did that help you guys at all? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So definitely that's the other purpose. Like there's lots of very qualified people on the um, the judging panel, so it's great to get their feedback and you know help improve our future batches is that something i mean as as we've mentioned you're a relatively new brewery is beer quality like a, an issue have you had to, have you struggled with it or has it been pretty easy going oh i wouldn't say it's easy you know it's <laughs> definitely you know it's one, one of the challenges like mm-hmm. um you know having a brewery whether it's big or small um so it's you know something we definitely want to focus on and I guess we, every time we brew a beer, like even if, you know, the same beer that we've rebrewed a few times, we try and tweak, tweak it a bit to get it even better. Um, it, but we're also like, you know, trying to get consistency in terms of that quality. Like it might tweak it slightly to try and improve it, but we want it to still taste like the same beer. Oh, Alex is definitely a bit of a perfectionist. I think that <laughs> each time he brews um like he's, he's kind of quite obsessive with like tweaking and improving the process 
Yeah, love it. No, that's exactly what you need, I think. Um, but obviously, I mean, we'll, we'll, I'm jumping ahead now, but um, you've kind of not come from a brewing background. You come from a corporate background. So is that perfectionism from that background, do you think? I think it's definitely an inbuilt personality. <laughs> oh, he's always naturally I can definitely been say being married to a perfectionist is sometimes challenging. <laughs> that was a very diplomatic way of saying I want to turn my hair out sometimes. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, and do you think awards and things like that, do customers care? Do they? Is it why people would buy a beer from, from what you've seen? I mean, I don't think certainly like you know when we have a beer that wins an award it's not like it flies off the shelves immediately and is all sold out like it's mm-hmm. you know i think it it helps um but not not necessarily all customers would know or care it, mm-hmm. I, but i find like where it helps the most is kind of getting recognition in the industry and sort of getting more like wholesale sales like we've definitely um you know since we won the award um the other week we've definitely um, seen a bit of uptick in so like bottle shops and uh-huh. bars and restaurants buying our beers um so i guess it's some of these awards don't necessarily get that published you know out to the general like beer audience like but definitely people in the industry know uh-huh. um we definitely like the latest one we did do like a 2gb radio thing and oh, um yeah. not surprised we had a few people come into the brewery um, and say they heard us on that so that definitely oh, cool. um you know reached the audience outside of our normal audience mm-hmm. excellent and I mean that's what kind of why we do some of these things is, is we want to reach people that might not necessarily have drunk the beers before but it's a really interesting style in itself to have as a winner you know usually I keep seeing loads of IPAs and stuff like that um winning awards or um at least sort of people's choice recognition but Belgian triple it's a reasonably tricky style quite higher ABV um you did an initial open fermentation I think I, I was reading the other day um so how did you do it uh number one how how did you brew it and um what do you think appealed about that style we definitely tried to emulate like what like some of the, like, the Belgian brewers do when they brew it based on you know my you know lots of research and reading books etc um so you know definitely that's not those the trappist um breweries that you know famous for you know these styles like at least in, initially they used to use open fermentation um so we you know we do that for a lot of our beers which gives a different yeast character so it's some some of the um so the beer like a belgian triple like you know a very large percentage of the flavors you're getting are from the fermentation from like the yeast and how the you know the conditions the yeast experiences during that fermentation so i think that helps the open fermentation helps get that characteristic belgian flavor yeah, sorry <laughs> there's, a, there's a small jarman in the in the background <laughs> really excited when we're talking about Belgian triples. Starting them out young, are they? Obviously not trying any, just <laughs> learning about the biz. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, and, that, and that's really interesting itself um, itself about Slowly that you've always sort of had that. Even when we spoke in January, you were like, that's what we do. Like, that's how we want to do things is do these like old European styles and things like that. Um, and it's amazing that you've held true to that. Has there been any occasion where you're like, oh, maybe I should do a... 12% hazy IPA or something like that. I mean, we, we do do some, we 
like one of our first beers is like a hazy pale ale and we do you know always try and have a hazy pale ale and we've done some um kind of like ipa beers but they're always a bit different like whether it's um you know a sour ipa or whether it's like a belgian themed like ipa like we don't want to just put out like just more like generic kind of like hoppy beers um we always want to try and do something different if we're going to go down that track um but definitely most of the stuff we do is what we'd say is like old world old world european styles um like certainly a lot of belgian styles but more recently we've done some more german styles and english styles as well and how have customers received them is it is it an education piece or is it a oh people know what we're talking about and that's why they come like or is it a little bit of mixture of everything it's a mix of everything there's certainly customers that seek out this type of beer and they love that they're seeing more of that in australia or in the local market um, you know, normally they would have to um, look for imports. Um, but then there are also other customers, like, for example, like the local community where they're just happy to come into our tasting room and they find something that works for them. Sometimes they do just want the pale ale and other times they're happy to try something new. Brilliant. And the thing is, I guess, brewing these kind of styles I've heard they tend to take a little bit longer and, you know, a little bit more involved sometimes. Um, how have you found dealing with that and the demands of having a working customer-facing brew pub as well? Like, is the bottom line working out well? Um, what about supply? Do you always have enough? Or have you? I mean, I'm getting the idea, Alex, that you're such a perfectionist. You've got everything scheduled um, up to, like, 2025 or something like that. Um, is that the case? How have you found doing that? I'm a perfectionist. I'm not necessarily highly organized. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, yeah, still, slightly still different. A, still a last-minute rush to try and get it done properly. But, yeah. I, you know, wouldn't release something unless I think it's, you know, perfect or you know, close to perfect. Yeah. Um, I feel like the biggest near-term challenge you have um, – because of what you've chosen is obviously the issue of space because so many things, like, for example, Botany Wise takes, you know, five, seven, eight months and in the tank, so that's just one tank, like, and one giant space gone. <laughs> yeah, and we, we set things up because we knew our beers would take longer or some of the beers definitely take longer. We set things up to try and make best use of a small space so we have, like, tanks that, like, can stack, like, three high um but still yeah we're still always running out of space so more space <laughs> would definitely be nice and yeah so it's it's very much like a um a bar on the weekends and a brewery during the week um so it's you know it takes quite a few hours every friday to pack all the brewing stuff into the corner <laughs> and bring out the chairs and tables and make it into a bar for the weekend yeah. and we had this one weekend where the forklift broke and oh, that was not oh, good. Right in the middle of the tasting room so we oh my god what did you everyone's, do i just left it there and everyone sat around it the <laughs> with <laughs> some got, velvet ropes around it it's an art installation <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and I, did did you expect to have these kind of problems when you when you opened up or were you like no it's this is going to be easy 
I think when you're planning it, it always sounds easier than in reality. Like, because conceptually, it sounds like, yeah, every Friday we'll just clear up the space, clean it up, and it'll be perfect. But then you forget that it's like hours of work yeah. just to do that every Friday. <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely. That is it, isn't it? And I mean, it's not only these sort of, not standard, uh, but usual problems you have when you run a brew pub, um, but it's also running a brew pub in the middle of COVID. Um, so obviously that's been a huge issue this year for lots of businesses. How have Sloan Lane dealt with COVID? Have you been massively impacted or was, like we did an article a few months ago, didn't we, talking about how you've basically never known not what normal looks yeah. like. So you don't have any, you don't have any sort of gauge of what it could be like. Uh, so have you just having to deal with it? What what restrictions have you had to do? Has COVID really impacted the business? And, and what do you think... Uh, in store in terms of COVID, um, obviously we'll have restrictions and stuff going forward. So, but you guys know the know the jam now, don't you? Yeah, I mean we're lucky that you know we always intended with the brewery to like package our beer. Um, that was always always wanted to like can or bottle our beer, like not just be like a brew pub. But you know wanted to do like you know small batches of specialty beer and you know get it out there you know, wholesale on our website so it's like we're already doing that from day one so that yes. definitely helped a lot with um covid because we could just very easily just shift all of our beer into cans and just not do any cakes um so that got us through um most of the periods um and then i guess during the more recent lockdown like we we're able to like kind of we had it we still have very small staff. We had an extremely small um, number of staff to start with, um, but we were able to sort of redeploy our bar staff to help out in the brewery and, um, you know, just did more brewing, more canning. Yeah. Um, yeah, did more Excellent. online sales. Um, sort delivery. Of, yeah, did oh, delivery, like yeah. deliveries. So Fantastic. I think we, we're just because we have our own canning machine, like um, we're set up to, we can, you know, package all our beer. Like we don't, we're not reliant. Like, it's, you know, it's very nice having the bar back open and, um, you know, the money that brings in and sort of the connection you get with the customers. But um, we we're able to cope, I guess, better than probably some other breweries without that. Absolutely, because I think a lot of people, when they start out in a smaller brew pub, they don't necessarily have uh, that wholesale arm they were going to sort of do the tap room stuff first and then start looking into that later on once they've got a name for themselves and everything like that. So how did you find that? Because obviously you didn't have an existing brand, but you were selling wholesale. So how did you get your name out there? Like what was it really difficult or were bottle shops and things really open to having a new brand in? I mean, definitely it was a slow start. Like, I mean, we were lucky that we like, even from the start, like, we got some interest and like we got some some sales like right out mm-hmm. right at the start but i guess we went also at the start we weren't making that much beer as well um and i guess we we're able to you know thankfully i like, kind of as we've may started making more beer um our names got out there more and got some more interest so it's yeah. kind of more awards yeah that helps <laughs> um but definitely, like, um, there were a couple of large wholesale customers who, like, kind of were interested from the beginning and stuck with us this whole time. So we're pretty lucky. Like, it kind of, 
it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Oh, crazy. And I, I think it's so important now for, for people to have those um, multiple revenue streams, especially because we don't know what's going on with COVID and, and in the future. And, you know, having being able to rely on a few different revenue streams, a few different mechanisms to get your beer out there, like just just it feels a bit more protected if you see what if, I don't know if that's that's what you guys feel. That's how I see it. Yeah, definitely. Like it's yeah, it's nice to have those different options. And I guess we don't necessarily we don't mind which you know how, how we get the money in like you know we'll just <laughs> yeah. make this beer and have it available through lots of different channels and yeah <laughs> yeah awesome now just from like a wider business perspective then you as we mentioned you were from corporate backgrounds um have you found it as hard as you thought it would be or harder or easier to run a brewing business i definitely just running a small business is much harder than I thought it would be. Like, um, you know, like it's neither of us had run a small business, like both from like had corporate jobs before. And, you know, I, I worked for in the brewing industry for a bit, but that was, you know, I was working as a, an employee. So you didn't really see yeah. that side of like running a small business. So I think just, yeah, running any small business is definitely hard and takes a lot of time. And yeah, definitely stresses associated with that. And then I guess breweries not the easiest small business either. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you're a manufacturer and a hospitality business, and this and that, I guess yeah, yeah. that adds like an extra layers of complexity onto what you've got to do. You didn't start out easy, is all I'm saying to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and same on the brewing front. Like um, I remember when we spoke last, and Yvonne was just like, "Oh yeah, I bought him. I bought Alex a homebrew kit from Brooklyn Brewery," and I Im- immediately regretted it uh, <laughs> because you did something to the kitchen. Um, but how did did you find that transition from home brewing in your kitchen uh and was it was that in your do you said I think I vaguely remember you one did you say it was in like a really small New York apartment or something like that yeah yeah no um so I mean we had a tiny apartment in um Williamsburg <laughs> in um in New York and it it was definitely not made for um, home brewing um but we eventually moved to San Francisco and and I'll just say like over time the home brewing kit just became bigger and bigger um and it yeah it did create some issues with um, one of our landlords um at one point um but I mean Alex always tells me like sometimes it feels like the brewery is like a giant home brew kit just the way you're set up and the way you do things and the types of brews you make but um how different like I mean in terms of like the processes and trying yeah. to make sure that the quality is consistent is a lot more harder in that scale. Yeah, the, the definitely. Like t- some of the things we do as a brewery, like are closer in some ways to home brewing, and that like we still like can condition all our beer, which is like how most home brewers start out, like bottle conditioning the beer and sort of naturally carbonating it um, in a bottle. Um, but I guess we choose to do that because we think it makes a unique product and a better product, not because, you know, we don't have the equipment or whatever. That's like a choice mm-hmm. we make. Um, but yeah, definitely like there's a lot of things that have changed, like from when it's doing it on a homebrew scale to a professional scale, like we have a lot better, like kind of testing QA equipment, you know, mm-hmm. you know record keeping is a lot better, you know, it's definitely much more, much more organized and you know more focused on the finer details 
And have you got any other brewing staff with you as well? Did you are you employing any other brewers or at the minute, or is it just hospitality staff? Ah, uh, so no, we have um, we have one kind of one and a half, I guess, mm-hmm. brewing staff, like one full time, one part time brewing staff member, um, plus mm-hmm. myself. And then I guess looking to expand that um, and try and you know brew a few yeah. few times a week, and um, you know. Awesome. Brewing cans some more beer. Yeah, that's it. Um, and how did you find finding any brewing staff? Because I know we've got big shortages and stuff in the industry at the minute. Was it easy enough or were you looking for like another home brewer like yourself that wanted to mo- make the move to commercial or did you want someone that had like training and skills? Uh, so I, I think it, there is definitely a, a shortage, um, especially of like, you know, trained brewers with like many years experience. Uh-huh. Um but so I guess uh, who we've hired is definitely like, um, you know, home brewers that are um, pursuing like formal brewing education mm-hmm. so that, you know, they're doing brewing courses, but they're, they're, they don't have industry experience, which is, you know, it means I have to be more involved. Um, I can't just, you know, I'm not stepping away from the brewing side, um, yeah. but that's a, you know, way that I can get some help and I probably don't want to be the perfectionist. I probably don't necessarily want to just bring in another head brewer and, you know, give them the keys and yeah. let them do everything. I, you know, <laughs> at least at this stage, I still want to be involved. Absolutely. Yeah. You're only a year in now. You can't just kick back and head to Barbados. All right. Um, but would you, and would you recommend your route the way you got into brewing Alex? Because you worked in the U S didn't you? What brewery did you work out there? So we're at the two breweries um, in San, one in San Francisco called Speakeasy, mm-hmm. uh, and then one in Silicon Valley called Devil's Canyon. Because um, yeah, essentially we we moved to San Francisco from New York. Um, Avon um, got a transfer of her work, and then I was meant to be getting another corporate job, but I don't know I managed to convince Didn't Avon. Didn't fancy that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I managed to convince Avon it would be a good idea for me to work in a brewery at minimum wage. And I mean, that must have been a really hard thing for you both to decide as a couple. I mean, obviously Yvonne was working, so it wasn't like you were homeless or anything like that. But to have two people going from corporate jobs to then having one person going from starting from scratch in the brewing industry, did that was that stressful? Did that cause some strife or were you very much like totally on the same page and, and thought that this was always going to be an outcome to have your own brewery? I was definitely doing it with the intention of hopefully being able to open up own brewery back in Australia. Like it's not, I wouldn't have pursued it, um, you know, if it was going to be mean like uh-huh. many years working at minimum wage, um, you know, and we're talking about US minimum yeah. wage. Oh, yeah, not Aussie or UK minimum wage, which is an entirely different thing. Yeah. And I guess oh. it wasn't, um, especially in the US, there wasn't that many options for, like, brewing education. Um, a lot of people, they're like our courses, but they're, you know, you got to kind of get in some, like, they're, um, you got to enroll, like, way in advance and they're quite pricey. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, a way to get, experience certainly like practical experience is you know just to work in breweries and do that you know manual labor but you're learning a lot about 
how things work on a commercial scale at the same time. Yeah, interesting. And would you have done it any other way? Were you glad you did it the way you did, Alex, going sort of trying out, doing a bit of homebrewing so you knew the basics and then having some experience and then sort of jumping out on your own? Or would you wish you'd come back here and done some skills training? Or if if there was an ideal route to getting slow lane started, how would you go? I feel like it depends on how you best learn and how you kind of take it in. I feel like this, Alex was so obsessive, like as in he's constantly on like brewing forums and reading textbooks. Like he does not read fiction. He only reads like <laughs> Just a big pile of brewing manuals next to his bed <laughs> and recipes and stuff. Yeah, so I felt like. Um, sorry, I'm like, I shouldn't be speaking for you, but I felt like this method worked really well for you. But then others may find that doing, you know, a TAFE course or doing a university course would give them more confidence. Like, what do you reckon? Like, I feel like maybe I would feel more confident if I just did a course. Yeah, see, I'm the same, Yvonne. I'd be like, no, I could never just just go for it. I'd have to, I'd have, to have like years of, <laughs> of training behind me and then finally do my first brew like 10 years later or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I think ideally if there was a course available at the right time mm-hmm. um, yeah. when I when I needed it, then like I would have done that. Um, just mm-hmm. there wasn't Obviously. necessarily um, mm-hmm. where I was at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the theory stuff you 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 know you you can learn that yourself without a without a course. Like there are you know brewing textbooks. There's a lot of information out there. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, I guess what you can't learn you know without actually working in a brewery is like that practical side of how things work on a commercial scale so I think it's I think it'd be very hard just to go as a home brewer just to start a brewery we having never stepped foot like worked in a commercial brewery because there's just some little things that you wouldn't know that would um, definitely make things very difficult yeah, definitely. And it is a hands-on job. It's not a theoretical job. So as much as you can learn the basics and the theory behind it, I think getting stuck in seems to be the way forward and the way a lot of brewers do learn best. Um, so it, it is an interesting one. And it's why it's really good that we've got more TAFE courses popping up in Australia. But also, you know, that's why it's engagement with the industry is so important to make sure that they get proper hands-on practical experience as well. One thing I noticed that you guys, um, you're obviously doing this together um, as a team. Have you guys worked together before this, like this closely? Or were you completely in separate companies and stuff? We did work for the same company, but we didn't ever work together as such. Like different departments or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And how have you found it now then? (laughs) I don't know whether that was a good silence or a good silence there. No, I think we're on the same page. I I feel like we haven't had any, like, disagreements or anything in terms of whether it be the big thing about strategy or whether it be small things like what are we doing tomorrow. Like, we haven't had any strong clashes. And, you know, I think other people, people say this as well, if you're, like, a married couple, you know, working in a small yeah. business, you kind of just have to end up agreeing or make it work like <laughs> I guess if, <laughs> if you had a business partner where you know you could disagree on something all day and then just like leave and go home but yeah and then 
but you know, I don't really have a solution has to be, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's a really interesting one as well because, um, Matt. Uh, my editor Matt, uh, you might have come across him. Uh, he did a really good beer as a conversation with Peter Fielding Brennan from Burley Brewing, yep. and th- obviously married couple running their their business. And it was really interesting that what they said was, you know, we sort of agreed at the beginning that you know relationship comes first. Um, if there's anything that's going wrong in the business or that it's threatening our relationship in any way, like we would go for the relationship first before the business. Um, obviously, that's sort of an extreme end and and all that kind of stuff and it probably wouldn't have come to that but did you ever talk about that did you ever make that like have that discussion no I'm I'm actually starting to think maybe we're a bit disorganized in that we (laughs) know like it's like I gave you the homebrew kit and it kind of like um, like snowboard into something huge and I guess we never (laughs) officially sat down like even like you know when we got our ABN or you know when the business was starting up like we never really sat down and had like a conversation like that and it and, and now I'm like oh that's a very smart and organized <laughs> <laughs> to be fair though those guys have been doing it for like 15 years now so you've got some time you've got a lot of time <laughs> but I mean it was planned out Alex was like oh I'm gonna draft up a business plan but I don't think that's ever happened <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta roll with the punches sometimes don't you that's the thing <laughs> Oh, brilliant. And in terms of like division of labor, Yvonne, do you do certain things and then Alex looks at the brewing or do you just mess in and just help each other out with whatever's going on? Like, how do you work that? I mean, definitely uh, like Alex is the head brewer and he's like, um, you know, doing all the brewing side of things. Um, I help out with most of the other things, but I actually work um, a different job as well. So like it's funny because like I have input on like the smallest things like you know what's the name of the next beer or what color is the label like a true brewer (laughs) (laughs) or like even like you know what beer should we go next and when when's the release schedule um and I help out with like social media and events and stuff but at the same time I don't help out with a lot of things like the day-to-day um you know just like brewing packaging um manual labor (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'd i'd make myself scarce for that as well i'm not gonna lie (laughs) well i mean like i was actually helping out but what happened was um after um like giving birth i had like um issues with my hands so that's my excuse i i have trigger finger and i cannot milk that forever (laughs) absolutely yeah that's a great one and yeah like obviously um Listeners may have heard um, some small people in the background. Um, so you've got two really young kids. Um, how the hell do you manage it? I can barely live my life as it is with no kids, let alone having two kids and running a startup business, being a head brewer, having another job on the side. How do you do it? What's the secret? <laughs> That's why like, I, we were thinking like, oh, I wonder, um, you know, if one of the questions would be what have we done in the past year and um, I just don't remember any of it because <laughs> there's just so much going on all the time um yeah and it's just like your life is just a to-do list like it's like you know you just keep going um yeah yeah so I, I like honestly like I, I don't know like so much has happened in the last year and at the same time I feel like I don't remember much of it <laughs> 
maybe because you've been severely sleep deprived as well I imagine <laughs> that's got something to do with it <laughs> and what about like night stuff like when you have to get up with the kids at night do you like take turns or is Alex like oh I'm brewing tomorrow you've got to do it you want <laughs> Oh no 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 no! That that would actually that make <laughs> that would break us. Oh. <laughs> no, I was pretty starting. good about like changing the nappies. Um, yeah, it's funny because he used to um, like he used to work really early, like so start really early in the morning, so he could do all the morning stuff. Like so, the baby would wake up. That you know, this is like our first child, like four a.m. or five a.m., and that's when Alex would wake up anyway. But that, 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 that was when I was working at another brewery and I could just uh, go in there and do my work and then get out and not worry about it. But now that it's our brewery, kind of, yeah. you can't. <laughs> it, you can't even if we're going to the works, you know, there's still work <laughs> there for me to do all the time. So, yeah, I guess just, like, trying to manage it. Like, you know, obviously doing a lot of work at night once the kids have gone to bed, trying to do, you know, all the books and records and boring business stuff and yeah. <laughs> oh yeah maybe maybe read them your uh, business report your financial annuals and and then they'll get bored and go to sleep <laughs> that'd be a good one um fantastic oh well I mean that because I know so many brewers that have got either have just had kids um or their partners have just had kids or um they've got two really young or a couple of really young kids and I just it sounds crazy because obviously a brewing schedule is madness brewing schedule when it's your own brewery even worse um so how do you do that Alex do you have certain times when you brew and then you go home and do the kid bit or like how does that work um so I mean I try and get out of the brewery at a reasonable time and you know pick kid up from childcare and be home for dinner um but yeah it happens most of the time, but yeah, occasionally something will go wrong in a brewery and things will take longer and yeah. yeah, I'll be a bad dad and be home later. Oh, I don't feel like that. <laughs> and I bet there's a little twang of guilt sometimes when you can't be there and you're like, oh, I really need to stay and make this work. Um, but I want to yeah. go home and see my kids. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, it'd be very different if I was, did this like without kids, um, without a family, like sure, I'd be there like crazy hours all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got to. You know. That's probably good then. It balances you out a little bit. Otherwise, you'd be a complete workaholic. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, you guys, um, we've discussed about how you were in the US and you did a bit of um, work there in breweries. Uh, why did you decide to come back to Australia to open a brewery? I think it was more that we we always wanted to come back to Australia just for, like, mm-hmm. family, to be, like, be with family and friends. So there was, there was never an option to stay in the US yeah like as in you wouldn't have because if you started something in the US you knew that that was you know you have to stay there. over a 10 year commitment mm-hmm. kind of thing and that wasn't like like we always knew we wanted to come home for family um yeah so it made sense like um basically um, we had our first child in the US and then sort of moved back when he was three months mm-hmm. and yeah we definitely couldn't have a brewery in the US with two kids and no grandparents <laughs> yeah. oh my god oh yeah D- is that really helpful do they live near you yeah oh yeah. fantastic <laughs> oh god yeah that imagine you'd have you'd be there pouring hops in with a baby strapped to you or something i don't think <laughs> workplace health and safety would be uh 
<laughs> so good in that respect. Um, brilliant. Yeah. And I mean, and is that why you chose botany then You're near family as well? Or did you, was that a, um, a business decision at the same time? Uh, no, we looked at like various places around Sydney. Like it was mm-hmm. pretty hard to find somewhere. Like that's probably one of the biggest challenges is finding the right location that, you know, somewhere that's semi-affordable and, you know, semi-convenient to get to and, um, you know, the right kind of look and feel and space. So I really looked at it quite a few different areas, like not botany in particular, but, uh, you know, this space we found in botany um, just, you know, had a nice feel to it. Like for an industrial area, it had a bit more character um, and it, the owner was very um, supportive. He, he was like a um, retired lawyer that, like started a winery, so he kind of understood where we were coming from with you know starting the brewery, where a, a lot of like owners, landlords, um, weren't so supportive of the idea, mm-hmm. and yeah, like they <laughs> just thought it was going to be like a bunch of drunk idiots there every weekend. Yeah, yeah, really heard that quite a bit. Yeah. But yeah, he thought of it more as like a winery cellar door, which it, it is in a lot of ways. Um, so you know, had, had that good relationship there and um you know at the time there was another brewery like one drop just starting around the corner so mm-hmm. they already went through a lot of the hard work with council um so <laughs> they I was gonna say yeah and then you know being able, you know leverage off what they'd already done with council as the first brewery in the area that's brilliant and I mean you and one drop do very different things as well because it seems like a nice little um Nice little relationship, I guess. You guys do such different things. Have you found that? Do you guys get along well or do you just do your own thing? No, we definitely get along well. Like, you know, we're super close. So, um, you know, definitely they're always sending customers our way and we'll return the favour and, you know, definitely like, you know. I mean, making me think you're sending them back and forth there. (laughs) (laughs) Send them that way, send them back. (laughs) Especially when it comes like a lot of people that come to the area will come to both breweries because we are so close. And um, I guess that just happened by chance i guess that we'd end up you know our focus is kind of on different types of beers um but you know it's kind of nice having different focuses more variety yeah yeah absolutely and like you say unlike other areas of sydney not necessarily saturated in terms of breweries um but still within reach of quite a few um which is pretty cool actually um I d- I, have you toured much of sydney breweries have you been around and done uh, i know that, i mean i say that but there's been lockdowns since god knows when so <laughs> i don't know how managed you managed to get out but yeah i mean definitely before the brewery started i went to a lot of breweries you know research okay. um, oh, but yeah <laughs> since the brewery started like even you know haven't managed to get out to many and that's probably not even because of lockdown more just been too busy at our own brewery to really get out to other breweries. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We'll we'll give you a couple of years to. I'll call you and say, have you been round to the mall yet? And there'll probably be a few thousand by that point. Um, but I mean, that, I mean that's what, what I remember asking um, when we were talking about it uh, back in January. Obviously, you've been in the US. The US has got thousands of breweries. We've got five hundred ish 600 do we have a ceiling is there a point of saturation or are we just going to end up like the us just having one round every corner effectively i think there's always room for like small breweries um especially that you know those are like either like you know have like a like a brew pub 
um, like a local kind of um, customer base or, you know, smaller breweries that are more specialized, just I guess what I consider us to be. Um, but definitely saw that, you know, that time in the US, like new breweries are opened up, they they're like becoming more specialized because you need to do something different to be able to stand out when there's like, you know, 8,000 breweries or whatever there is uh-huh. now. Yeah, that's it. But it's definitely um, like only so many like large, larger kind of craft breweries you can have that kind of want to send yeah. their beer around Australia. And I mean, that's an interesting point then. You, for Slow Lane, what do you envisage? What's next for you guys? If Do you want to stay, as you say, like a small specialized local brew pub or what? what's the plan? Yeah, I mean, we don't want to change anything too dramatically. Like we'd, uh-huh. we'd like to make a bit more beer. Um you know, may have a bit more space to, to make that beer, but <laughs> like, yeah, like no, um, no, no crazy expansion plans, just kind of, yeah. you know, doing time. kind of doing one thing, one step at a time, like, you know, you know, we're always buying new equipment to make things more efficient or make, you know, high quality beer and just, yeah, so lots of incremental upgrades, um, but nothing major planned. All right, cool. Now, what would you do though? Because I mean, I assume you're a little bit limited on space where you are. Would you get another building somewhere, and um, maybe round the corner if there's anywhere close, or would yeah. you want to try and fit some in, something in where you are? Um, just gotta see what's what comes what's up, what's available. Yeah. Like we've already like have some like um, kind of additional storage space um, that we're using, and like you know, certainly that's it. You know, lots of options to just to get you know, smaller amounts of like temporary kind of space just to store, you know, excess, um, you know, raw materials, beer, et cetera. But um, yeah, I guess to do like a, a larger expansion, we have to just see what's available in the area, what we can get our hands on. Yeah, that's it. And what what do you think your focus is going to be in the next couple of years? And are you going to go 50-50 wholesale in the tap room or do you want to do a little bit more on the wholesale front or do you want to keep a focus on the tap room like what what would you prefer well i mean i think like the tap room like there's a upper limit to like how many people we can fit in there um so that's always going to be capped like we can't we can grow that certainly grow that a decent amount but you know our current setup like it's only open on weekends and we can only have i think 50 people in there we might be able to expand that to 100 um but that's you know we're never going to be able to sell like crazy amounts of beer through there um, so definitely like wholesale and like sort of packaged beer is where there's more potential growth. So that would be our our focus in terms of trying to get that, you know, additional growth in the medium term. Amazing. Yeah, that'll be great. Well, I hope to see some more Slowland beers um, up in sunny Queensland. Um, that'll be amazing. Because um, you know what we're like at Briggs News. We do love the uh, the old world styles. Uh, <laughs> Matt and Pete are very much uh, fans uh, of the uh, <laughs> the old European styles. So any, any that we can get from you, they'll love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, fantastic. Right. Well, I better let you go. There's small people to look after and, and beer to make. Um, so thank you so much, both of you, for, for coming on and, and having a chat. And bloody congratulations again on your um, Sydney Royal Beer and Cider Show win. Thank you, Claire. Thank you. Nice one. <laughs> See you later, guys. See ya. Bye. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. 
You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at bruisenews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Bruise News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. 